With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is Finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. McLovin. What's the poll question we're going to go well, with? I actually put up, what's the most exciting Game 7 to you, NBA, NHL, or MLB? Okay. Actually, NHL has the early lead, so we'll see if people catch up. you got Buccaneers at the Eagles coming up tonight. We'll talk about that with Tom Brady battling an injured thumb, even though he threw for five touchdowns against the Dolphins. And uh, both these teams battling a lot of injuries. Here we are going into Week 6, and just the number of injuries here across the board. And you're adding one more game here. This is, you know, it's it's really a battle of attrition in the NFL. From now on, you're going to be lucky if your quarterback does play every game. And I'm going to guess, since they're running more than ever, you know, the over-under for your starting quarterback, how many games he'll play, is probably 14, 13 or 14. And that might be generous right now. It's just the younger quarterback. Did you see what Aaron Rodgers said to Joe Burrow? Man, you're too talented, dude. You cannot take these hits. And he took two really big hits against the Green Bay Packers. Slide. Get out of bounds. You're young. You think you're invincible, and you're not. You know, I go back to the first moment when I realized somebody was being smart, but in the moment I didn't realize it. I was too young. Franco Harris used to run out of bounds. And I just remember, wait, running backs don't run out of bounds. And Jim Brown critiqued Franco Harris. Like, no, you take on contact. You initiate contact. You don't run out of bounds. Franco was smart. Franco was like, I'll just run out of bounds. All right, I might get one or two more yards, but at what cost? You got to reduce the number of hits. And, you know, the angles of those hits, the momentum of those hits, slide, go out of bounds. It's okay. You don't want to go in a fetal position like Brady and Peyton Manning did. Okay. 
but don't go Andrew Luck where you go middle linebacker after you throw an interception or Baker Mayfield did this as well. Live to see another down, another game, another season. Yeah, McLovin. But Lamar Jackson's not running out of bounds. In fact, he's faking the guy and pretending. I know. He makes me nervous. I know. He did get knocked out of the playoff game with a concussion. I know. I just, I, I, I say this every year. We'll continue to say this every year. For the last 15 years, get out of bounds. There's no shame. Like, the entertainment part of this, you know, I understand it. Like, there's no shame. Just just get out of bounds. It's okay. Nobody's going to, you know, critique you like Jim Brown critiqued Franco Harris. You're a quarterback. Act like one. And that means be smart. All right. Uh, let me get to Jim in Idaho, and then we'll uh, talk about Kyrie Irving. All right. Hey, Jim. Dan, boys, how you guys doing? Great, Jim. Um, good. Hey, uh, Dodgers-Giants tonight. Uh, boy, what a matchup. You guys were touching upon it before. Uh, Seton, I think Roberts really nailed it when he said this is what the league wants. I mean, Dodgers-Giants have never met each other in, in quite some time, certainly in the playoffs, so it's going to be an exciting game tonight. Hey, Dan, I wanted to get your take on the Andrew Brandt interview you did yesterday. It was really good. Um, kind of gave me a thought about this conspiracy theory with the league and uh, – what did John Gruden have on the Redskins? The way I look at it is he, he made those comments in the email 10 years ago, I think it was. His brother was coaching the team. He had a relationship with Bruce Allen, given his days in Tampa Bay. What did he know? I mean, this is like a perfect setup for Oliver Stone or something to come in with some conspiracy theories. Just wanted to get your take on that. And finally, Dan, um, hey, it was my wife's 60th birthday two days ago. She's a big fan of yours by proxy because she sees me watching the simulcast and listening to you on, on my cell phone at the same time. So it's, I'm a little nuts about it. But uh, her name is Deb. If you can give her a shout out for to her 60th birthday, that'd be awesome. Thanks. All right. Well, thank you, Jim. And you just did. And Deb, happy 60th birthday. And good luck with Jim. Uh, but I don't know anything about John Gruden's situation. I, I have a source who's involved in this, but I've, I've asked and the source doesn't know, like, what else is at stake? What's it, what's it play here? Because it just felt like the focus went from the Washington football team to John Gruden. And John Gruden's probably going, wait, w- w- what happened? Yeah, they got uh, emails when you were at ESPN and you sent those to Bruce Allen and with the Washington football team? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, they flagged a couple of those. I don't know what he knew or knows about the Washington football team, but chances are they would have found that in the Bruce Allen e- emails and emails from his brother Jay. John wouldn't have been initiating something. It would have come from inside to the outside, not the other way around. But I, I don't know. Uh, Mike Mayock is the Raiders GM, and uh, he talked about the situation yesterday. I've touched base with as many of the guys as I could over the last several days. Um, we talked with the players. Uh, the captain spoke up at the team meeting to a certain extent. The, the common denominator from the players has been focus and professionalism. Yeah, and a lot of we got to move forward here. And they do. This was a one-day one day event, meet with the media, say what you need to say. You know, Derek Carr said, look, you know, I love John Gruden. You know, I, I, I don't uh, uh, 
kind of wash away the sin here, paraphrasing, but it was, I, I love him, you know, I, uh, I love the sinner, but I hate the sin, basically. But, you know, the Raiders got to move on from this. I just don't know if there's going to be any more leaks. Because my gut feeling, and according to my source, there's going to be. But Raiders moved on, and now the question is, who else is in the crosshairs? But I'm still waiting to hear from the commissioner. Because I would want to know, if something happened inside my building, under my watch, with people who are senior executives looking at these emails, I don't think that these were interns combing through emails. Okay, how many people had access to the emails? Let's start there. Because I got to believe there's a lot of nervous people. And there should be. All right, Kyrie Irving, he didn't meet with the media. He was on Instagram, so the media didn't get a chance to offer up any uh, follow-up questions. And there is something that was, or there was something that was said yesterday that is screaming for a follow-up. And I'll get to that coming up in a moment. Kyrie said, of course, it's not about the money. Yo, you're going to lose out on money. and You're going to lose out on this. Like, so what? It's not about the money, baby. It's not always about the money. It's about choosing what's best for you. You think I really want to lose money? You think I really want to give up on my dream to go after a championship? Okay, Kyrie is going to get paid when he goes on the road. And um, he's what, what is happening now? So the NBA's expectation is that Kyrie Irving's refusal to get a vaccine shot and then un, being unable to play in his team's home games will fall, fall under the uh, reasonable cause clause. That means he gives up $380,000 per game. So if he misses every game this season, including the preseason, then it's going to cost him around $17 million. That's the uh, regular season games. Then he has two regular season games against the Knicks at the Garden. But he's going to then make the other half of that by being on the road. Whether he plays or not, but he can practice on the road and if they choose to uh, have him play on the road. But he did say that he's not done playing basketball. Don't believe that I'm retiring don't believe that, you know, I'm going to give up this game uh, for a vaccine mandate or staying unvaccinated. Don't believe any of that. Like, really be aware. Okay, this is the one that screams out with follow-up questions, but we couldn't because there was no media there with follow-up uh, questions. All these people saying all these things about what's going on with me, and it's just not true. Pay attention to what's going on out in the real world. You know, people are losing their jobs to these mandates. Uh, people are having to make choices with their own lives, which I respect. You know, and, and I don't want to sit here and, and play on people's emotions either. Just use logic. You know, what would you do? You know, if, if you felt uncomfortable going into the season uh, when you were promised that you would have exemptions or that you didn't have to be forced to get the vaccine. You know, this wasn't an issue uh, before the season started. This this wasn't something that I foresaw coming where I prepared for it. Okay, he was promised exemptions. That's where if I'm allowed to ask a question of Kyrie, because Kyrie will say, hey, respect my privacy while speaking publicly about this and then wanting to speak on behalf of those that uh, are don't want to get the vaccine. You can't have it. I can't. Ex I can't respect your privacy if you keep talking about it, and you want to talk about those who don't have a voice, 
then how did, can I not ask you a follow-up question? And who promised you something? Like I, that's what I want to know. You know, if he was lied to by the NBA, by the Nets. Look, I'm, I'm open-minded to this. I'd just like to know. You know, do I care if he plays in the NBA this year? I don't. If he does play, great. He's a wonderful talent. But you don't want to play. You sort of want to play. If I'm the Nets, I don't want you to sort of want to play. It's called a team. You want to make a decision for you individually, then you make it. Um, but you, you can't sort of make a decision because the team has to make a decision. And the team should move on. And I don't know if Kyrie gets traded. I don't. Why would you want Kyrie? If he's not going to be vaccinated, okay, you can go to another city, another state where, you know, he doesn't face, you know, these uh, mandates. Okay. But this isn't the first time we've had, boy, what's Kyrie thinking? And it's not going to be the last time we have something where we go, what's Kyrie thinking? Or why did he say that? Or why did he do that? He did put his money where his mouth is when you think about it, because everybody's like, oh, okay, you don't want to get vaccinated. Put your money where your mouth is. Uh, he did. So I can respect that. But if you're not going to play, then just don't play. I don't think you're being fair to your team. You're being selfish if you want to still be part of a team. You don't want to be part of a team? This is on you? Go ahead. You know? You, you want to have a, a, a book? You, you want to, you know, give speeches? You want to be vocal about this? Then great, go go ahead. But I, I, it felt like it was somebody who was doing a class project and threw it together at the last minute, and it just didn't feel like it was fully vetted. Where, you know, you're really looking at some strong points here. I think you owe it to the media and to this story, tell us who promised you what. Like, I, that's what I'd want to know. That's the only thing I want to know right now. Who promised you this? What did they promise you? Were you told you didn't have to do this? Okay. We're told things, it feels like on a weekly, uh, a monthly basis. You know, where you go into a city or go into a state, what do I have to do? Hey, I was told this. Hey, I don't need my uh, vaccination card going into a restaurant in New York. No, you do this week. Like, we, we hear this all the time. We adapt. We may not like it. Hey, you got to have a mask on. I didn't bring one. Well, here, we're going to give you one. Okay. You got to adapt. We've been told a lot of things for the last year and a half on this. But I think you understand that this is a moving target here. And uh, if Kyrie doesn't want to play, doesn't have to play. And you know what? We won't miss him. But you can't be you got you can't be both. You can't be sort of a you know part time player, uh, you know, with the Nets that they want to move on. And and this was going to be their year. When you think about it, everybody healthy. Yeah, Paul. You know, it's weird. I, I don't want to speak out of school here, but like I respect anyone who stands up for something is willing to go up their salary for something they really believe in. If that's what he is, altruistic about this, then great. But there's a lot of people, I'm not saying me, I'm saying what I saw a response on social media yesterday was like, this guy is just doing it for attention. He's taking a situation and making it about him, which is what he's been known for a bit in the past. So a lot of people doubt his intentions. But what is he, how does he benefit? Attention. But what, so He's already what? got money. He's already got, I think he's got a ring, right, with the Cleveland? But what do you do with that attention? Some people like it for the sake of it. Some people like to be the, you know, stirring the drink. And the focal point and stir, you know, stirring the pot. Mm. 
Okay. That's what a lot of people think. Okay. I mean, I, I, I don't read into it that deeply. It's just, I'm just trying to figure it out because he is a Hall of Fame player and, and he is not going to play or play half or part-time for the best team or the favorites to win the title this year. So it is a big deal. Yes, he. Yeah, it's almost like like some people want to be rich. Some people want to be famous. You know, you don't necessarily want to be rich and famous. Some people want one or the other. That's kind of like the attention thing, I would think, right? Almost like not to say it's like a personality disorder or something, but there are some people who just need attention all the time, and they get it no matter how they could get it. And I'm not saying that that's what Kyrie is doing either at all. Um, But there is that people do have that part of their personality. He's already got his money. He's made, what, $160 million? I don't think money has has been, you know, the driving force for him. And he's going to lose on that max contract extension. Yeah, Pauline. You know, uh, I was watching Billions not too long ago, and the big guy who's a billionaire says, you know, what's, a, what's the use of having screw you money unless you say screw you? And he used a different phrase. Mm. He goes, but it allows you to do that every once in a while when you don't want to listen. Okay. Yeah. I mean, he is um, complicated, or at least he presents himself as being complicated. I always feel like he wants to be the smartest guy in the room, and sometimes that doesn't go well. Yes, he. Kyrie, because he's been so difficult over the years and sort of such a enigma to figure out, yeah. has worked himself into like this corner of public opinion where no matter what he says, it's the wrong thing. You know, like you said before, like, oh, put your money where your mouth is then. You don't want to do that? Then put your, okay, I'll put my, why are you costing yourself all that money? <laughs> you know, it's like, all right, if you don't want to play, then just don't play. I don't care. And then yeah. he doesn't play. It's like, where's Kyrie? Why isn't he playing? You know, it, it's kind of, he's kind of gets it from all angles all the time. Some of it is by his own doing. Yes. A lot of it's by design. But if he doesn't want to play, I don't, then I'm fine with that. I don't want him to do part time. Now that is fascinating. It's a storyline. I just don't think you're being fair to Kevin Durant, who you partnered with to make this work. He came there specifically to play with you. How do you, that's what I'd love to know. How are you and KD when you're around each other? Does, I don't know, the vaccine come up? Does, uh, hey, uh, see you on the road. I, okay. Just feels like it's sort of hanging there. And if you don't want to play, don't play. But you can't say respect my privacy, but then you want to talk about this. If you don't, I'll respect your privacy. Don't say anything. Or let us talk to you. We've invited him through his agent. Nothing wrong with somebody, you know, clarifying something giving you a different thought on something, I'm open-minded to it. I'd love to know who promised him something. And what was promised in fairness to him? Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Or stream us live on the Peacock app. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. 
and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. MTV's official challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and challenge all-star. And speaking of all-stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers, and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, uh, get Chris Mannix in here, Sports Illustrated. You sure you want to join us, Mannix? But I'm, I consider myself medium successful and mildly compensated. <laughs> we go with that. Yeah, sure. How's boxing, by the way? You, uh, Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, are we going to see a part four? No, okay. no, we won't see a part four. I think uh, in Tyson Fury's mind, in the minds of everybody, he settled it. That was the second time he has battered and beaten Deontay Wilder. But that was that was probably the best fight I've ever attended live. I mean, that was... Two six foot seven plus heavyweights 
bombing away at each other over the course of 11 rounds. It was it was incredibly gripping, and it 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 proves Dan something I've often said that when boxing when boxing's at the highest level and fought like that, there's almost no sport better than it. Like I, I've been to a lot of places and a lot of atmospheres. Uh, that was right up there with the best atmospheres I've ever experienced. Okay, what's next for Tyson Fury? Well, he's probably going to have to defend his title in a mandatory challenge against a guy named Dillian White, who is a very good top five guy over in the U.K. It's a pretty big fight over in the U.K. They might be able to sell out a indoor soccer stadium or an arena of some kind. They'll do a big number. And then he'll face the winner of Anthony Joshua against Alexander Usyk, the rematch, which will take place in the first quarter of 2022 and that fight will be for the first undisputed championship that we've had in probably 20 years since Lennox Lewis uh, held all those belts so it's uh, it it was a big night last weekend for Tyson Fury and uh, 2022 could be even bigger where you know we we love to rank these heavyweights and usually it's not somebody from the last 25 years who gets included in there but where how does Tyson Fury get into that that big list of great heavyweights of all time, or is he already there? I think he's he's making his way up that list. I know it's it's sacrilegious to suggest that a Tyson Fury could handle a Muhammad Ali or a George Foreman from back in his prime or Joe Frazier, but one thing Tyson Fury does that so far in this era, no fighter's been able to figure out, and I'm not sure who would figure out in that era, is he leans on you. And his, one of his tactics is to take that huge six foot nine, 277-pound frame in the early rounds, get close, and then lean on you. So you are literally carrying him over the course of the fight. He did it to Deontay Wilder dozens of times in that fight. And that's why after the third round, into the fifth and sixth, you saw Deontay Wilder sitting on that stool yeah. longer than, than Tyson Fury was for sure, right until the very second that bell rang. That's because Fury just drapes that body over you and makes you hold him up. He, he knows how to sap your energy. And I, I, don't know, I don't know how guys would deal with it. You know, he's just so big and, and so long that I don't know how a guy from any era would be able to handle that type of tactic. Yeah, I remember with Lennox Lewis, he was just so big and, and had such reach. That's why Tyson, Mike Tyson never wanted to fight him because he knew he would lose because yeah. Lennox Lewis was bigger and knew how to box better than, than Mike did. But Tyson Fury, he, he looks like, because of his dad bod, he gets into the ring and you go, man, he's going to get pounded. And then the next thing you know, like he doesn't look like the baddest man on the planet when he gets into the ring. No, he get, he was criticized early in his career for not being a power puncher. I, I don't know how a guy six nine two seventy seven can not be powerful like that. That doesn't really really jive with me. One thing about him is that he's been boxing, you know, as he likes to say, since he was you know out of the womb. Like he his family he comes from a fighting family, and he has been boxing for an incredibly long time. So he is as skilled as any heavyweight that I've ever seen, and uses every tool that he has in the toolbox in, in all of these fights. I mean, you, you know, Tyson Fury, to his credit, doesn't like to compare himself to fighters from other eras, doesn't like to say, oh, I beat fighter X, fighter Y, fighter Z. But 
when you have a guy that size that can do the things he, do, he does, and it's not accidental, it's a tactic, it's a strategy. When you have guys that big that can do what he can do, um, it, it's just very hard to see pathways for people to beat him. He's Chris Mannix. He covers boxing, obviously, and the NBA for Sports Illustrated, senior NBA writer. Uh, what was Kyrie Irving saying last night? You know, I have watched that 20-minute video four and a half times maybe at this point. I'm not really sure what, what he was saying. Um, he's saying he's not retiring. Okay, that's somewhat of news because I, you know, that was setting him in the water supply a little bit. Um, but I'm still not sure why he's not being vaccinated. Is he not being vaccinated because he's anti-vaccine and he doesn't trust it? Is he not being vaccinated because he's trying to be some kind of man of the people to stand up for the people that are losing their jobs because of these vaccine mandates? I can tell you, um, just talking to a couple of people within the Nets organization after Kyrie Put that, that was an aggravating video to some people in Brooklyn because he really didn't answer any of the questions that people have about his reasoning for not getting the vaccine. And he gave no real, no real timetable for when he might come to a decision to make a return. So they are operating blindly on the future of Kyrie Irving in Brooklyn. Yeah, I wondered when he said the only part that stood out where, you know, there's no follow-up questions is he was given yep. permission. Who gave him permission and what did they get give him permission to do or not do? I don't know what – I mean, he's given permission by the NBA not to get vaccinated. I mean, I guess that's one way of framing it. Um, you know, Kyrie clearly – I mean, the New York City mandate – clearly took Kyrie by surprise because, you know, Kyrie's an influential member of the Players Union, and he's a big reason, or one of the reasons at least, that the union didn't go for vaccine mandates when the NBA pushed it. So Kyrie went into the offseason thinking he could do his thing. He'd be subject to these protocols, which are insane, by the way. I know a number of players that got vaccinated just to avoid having to basically be a second-class citizen within your locker room and within your team. But he went into the offseason thinking, if I go through this, then I don't have to get vaccinated. Then the city of New York steps in. They say no exemption for him. And I think that's really thrown Kyrie over the last month. I think for a while he, he believed that you know something would happen, something would change, and he would get vaccinated. And I'll, and I'll be honest, Dan. The New York law doesn't make a lot of sense, mostly because on October 25th, Bradley Beal is going to come to Barclays and play. Like, visiting players are not subject to this, uh, this mandate by the city. Now, I don't really get why Bradley Beal or Jonathan Isaac or any of the other players that are publicly unvaccinated are allowed to play, yeah. but Kyrie Irving is. So I think Kyrie thought all along it was eventually going to work out in his favor. It hasn't. It doesn't look like it's going to. Eric Adams, the presumptive next mayor of New York, has not commented publicly on what he will do if and when he takes office. So this is, uh, this is a situation Kyrie's going to have to deal with for the foreseeable future. But he's not going to get paid playing at home, and he will get paid for playing on the road or not playing, you know, joining the team on the road. Is, do I have that? Uh, yeah, so the, the, the Nets can't um, 
you know, this is the Nets' decision to basically send him away. It's Sean Marks, it's Joe Sy, who have decided it's not tenable, and I understand that, to have Kyrie participating in practices but only playing in just under half the, uh, the, the, the games of the season. He can't play at Barclays. He can't play at Madden Square Garden. That's two more games uh, added on to that. So he'll get just under half of his salary, which I believe is between 15 and $16 million for this season uh, if he doesn't play. You got an opinion on the Lakers so far in preseason? Feels like everybody does. Well, it's not good. <laughs> but, <laughs> but the question, the question is, like, <laughs> we got to pump the brakes on the Lakers, though. It, it's going to be well after Christmas, I think, before we can make any kind of sweeping judgment. Not that I'm not prone to do that anyway, but <laughs> I, I, I think it's going to be after Christmas before we can make any judgment with the Lakers. They're just, you know, they're down Ariza. Hey, Taylor Horton Tucker hurt a lot worse. I was talking to Frank Vogel about this a couple of weeks ago, and, you know, Horton Tucker was probably going to be a starter with that team, and they were counting on him to take on the responsibility of defending the best wing player on an opposing team. So that's a big loss for them to see him go out for whatever it's going to be, four to six weeks with that thumb injury. I think they're going to have a lot of problems early on. They might start the season five and seven, you know, 15 and 16, something like that. But, you know, after Christmas, when everybody gets healthy and everybody kind of figures out kind of what their roles are with the team, that's when I want to see what this Laker team looks like. I'm still not a huge believer in, in going to get Russ and not going to get, um, yeah, going to go up to Sacramento to make that deal uh, for Buddy Heald. But I, I don't think you can judge them until we get well past the midway point of the season. Do you want to join me on the Golden State bandwagon again? You're predicting championship? What does the bandwagon look like? Uh, well, there's plenty of seats, uh, but well, I'm going Western Conference Finals. Ooh. Uh, I mean, you're obviously believing Clay Thompson looks like Clay Thompson when he comes back. Yes. I'm not so sure in year one he's going to do that. I mean, I was talking to this, this coach about Clay uh, last week, and the one thing he said was like, look, Clay's going to come back, he's going to be shooting the ball great. But what made Clay such a huge impact player for that team was his ability to, you know, pump fake you and go off the dribble and make shots. Is he going to have the same bounce in year one? coming off those two injuries, and defensively. He was a high-level defensive guy for that team for, during his, his best years. That's probably going to suffer because he's trying to come back from this injury. I just it's, it's pure speculation at this point because we don't know what Clay looks like, but I, just, I don't see him being more than you know, 75 80% of, of the player he was. And if that's the case, the West is so good that I don't see Golden State getting there. Just throwing yeah, it out there. It's a nice bandwagon to be on. It's better than you know some of the bandwagons I've jumped on over the years. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That, yeah. It's uh, plenty of room, though. Plenty of room on the Golden State bandwagon. <laughs> hey, it's great to uh, talk to you again, buddy. Thank you. Safe travels. You got it, Dan. That's Chris Mannix, Sports Illustrated, NBA senior writer. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app, at FSR, or stream us live on the Peacock app. He's Mike Carmen. I'm Dan Byer, and we have a brand new fantasy football podcast called I Want Your Flex 
twice a week, every Tuesday and Friday, we come up with new episodes to not only look back at what happened, what you need to do at that minute, and also look ahead of what's coming up in the fantasy football world. That's right, Dan. Every week, we're going to scour the waiver wire to find the pickups to turbo boost your fantasy lineup since starts fantasy football players' rankings to get you ready to dominate the competition. Listen to I Want Your Flex with Mike Harmon and me, Dan Beyer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And guess what? So are we. Just in case you forgot, I'm Tori Deal. I'm a six-time finalist and a Challenge champion. And I'm Anissa Ferrer, and I've been gracing your screens for the last two decades. I am a veteran challenger and Challenge All-Star. And speaking of All-Stars, All-Stars 4 is finally here. I'm going to be honest. I literally thought this day was never going to come. Well, the challenge gods have answered our prayers and we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, redemption seekers, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. Anyone can win, relationships matter, and only one all-star will claim the title of challenge champion. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. Uh, is uh, Ron Ron with us there, Paulie? Yes. All right. Let me make the official uh, introduction. Ron Darling, a baseball analyst for TBS. He'll be joining Brian Anderson for the call tonight's Winner Go Home National League Divisional Series between the Giants and the Dodgers. That starts at 9 Eastern on TBS. Ron, good to talk to you this morning. Introduce us to the Giants. Oh, boy. Um, what a team. You know, just a magical kind of uh, year for them, whether it's uh, – um, they're older players that have uh, uh, performed above what you thought they could do. One of the players that they've acquired uh, that you didn't think uh, would be great to have been. And then they're stuff off the bench. Uh, best pinch hitting team. Uh, just a really, honestly, every time they needed something to happen, it happened for them. And uh, that, that bodes, seems to bode well for game five. But you also, and I don't know if you believe in this, when you have that lineup that yeah. doesn't have the true star it feels like they probably think, hey, one of us has to step up tonight, not just rely on, hey, Mookie Betts has to stay, you know, stand up there. That It almost feels like it's more dangerous with that lineup that feels like one of us has to take ownership tonight. You know, Dan, that's a really good point. I, I think that they have spent the entire year uh, with people saying that at some point they will uh, decline, they will not play well, they'll be out of it, the Dodgers will overtake them. And uh, each and every time they they have stepped up, and I think they've done that probably better than any team as far as mass, uh, uh, maximizing their you know thirty or forty man roster. Everyone that came up, uh, when you think about it, their closer right now is a kid that was up and down four times that didn't perform well until September, and now he might be the difference maker uh, if they move ahead. Explain these two pitchers because I looked and I don't think they've lost in it's been a long time but you know between these two like 39 starts does that sound uh, accurate for these two going into this game It does it does in fact if you if you look at Webb he hasn't lost since, since May 5th if you look at Urias uh he has uh, in his last 23 starts uh with the Dodgers they're 19 and 3 <laughs> so um they just when they take the mound uh, the home team wins. So um, it's going to be interesting to watch. You know, the one, um, I guess, advantage maybe is that Arias has been there so many times. At 25 years old, he's got seven postseason wins, which is remarkable. Wow. Um, but this Logan Webb kid has uh, just had, like the Dodge, uh, like the Giants, an amazing, magical year. Everything has gone his way. So, you know, we're us skeptics are always wondering when it's going to end, um, but those people that are think of great magical endings are thinking that's always going to go on. So who knows? Do the Giants have a lineup though that you would think it was not built for that ballpark? Um, but but they are they're home run hitters. Everybody in the lineup can hit home runs. Uh, are we getting to the point where it doesn't matter what ballpark teams are playing in? That's the better point, Dan. Um, it doesn't matter where you play now. If you've got guys who have power, um, the fences really are irrelevant. Although in San Francisco, they've moved the fences in 10 feet or less 
um, in three or four different areas in that ballpark. And in center field, it's 391 feet. And I remember when I was a kid playing in the Cape Cod League, uh, Dennis Yarmouth's uh, center field was like 385. We thought that was the most ridiculous center field of all time. So think about these big <laughs> leaguers with the big muscles trying to hit the ball uh, uh, 391. That really is a difference maker. But I go back to, I think Cleveland had a center field of 454 if, uh, yeah. Yeah. In, like many, many, many years ago. Like, that's crazy to have a center field that deep. And, uh, you well, know, Fenway's not deep. That's not even 400. Yeah, Cleveland, uh, I remember Forbes Field in Pittsburgh. Yeah. They used to they used to use the batting cage with the guys hit on before the game. They used to just park it in center field because they figured that no one could hit the ball out of the ballpark <laughs> there. So, you know, there, there was some uh, Yankee Stadium, of course, uh, um, you know, all, all of the monuments were in play uh, at some point. So certainly the game uh, and the ballparks have changed. Circle two guys tonight, one for each team, where you say, mm-hmm. you know, this this is the guy that's the key for the Giants. This is the guy, the key for the Dodgers. Uh, okay, for, for the Giants, I'm not going to say a guy, but I do think because of their pinch hitting numbers, they have 18 home runs from pinch hitters. They've had some magical times. Uh, late night Lamont Wade Jr., you you get that nickname because you're you're great late in the game. I think he might do something for the Giants. And I think um, when I look at the, the Dodger team with all their stars, the guy that has been the best from the seventh, in, seventh inning on and later, if you include the postseason, who has eight home runs to tie the game or put them ahead is their catcher, Will Smith. Those are the two guys I would look at tonight. We talk about the playoff format. Sometimes we look at the end results and then we're like, oh, you got to reseed. You know, everybody's angry now. The one-game playoff, it's the, you know, that should the Dodgers be in a one-game playoff? My thought is, how about we say this before we start the season? Not when, because if you had some teams that weren't nationally known, nobody would be screaming about this. But you put the Dodgers or Yankees in a situation like this, then we want change. Could you see baseball reseeding, or could you see it more than a one-game playoff again? Yeah, I, I think um, I can't see them. Well, I think the reseeding thing makes more sense in this in this way. I would see someday that baseball will have no divisions; that it will be the National League and the American League. And in this this scenario, you'd have the Dodgers and the Giants would have the best record. You'll probably maybe include six teams instead of uh, instead of the uh, five teams we have now. So six teams in each league two series of three games between uh, three and four and uh, sorry, three and four and five and six. And then the teams that had the best records in the game would play those teams after that. So uh, they are assured at least of getting into the division series. Hmm. John Smoltz said, how about if you have that yeah. one game playoff that the team that has the you know fewer wins has to beat that team twice while the team that has the more wins, they only have to uh, win one game. I, I, I like that, too. I, I mean, uh, John thinks about these things all the time, and he has some really great ideas. The only problem you have is that if you beat a team twice, you have to beat a team twice, it puts you into a pitching situation yeah. where you might not be competitive the rest of the, the next division uh, series. So I wouldn't want to put a team in a place where – they use their number one. They use their number two. They have to fight to use their entire bullpen and get to the first game. And they have to do a bullpen game, or you have someone from uh, shortstop pitching. So I, I would never want to see uh, see that. 
Do you still hold a grudge with anybody you played against? <laughs> Do I ever hold a grudge against anyone I played against? Um, no. I, I think the longer you live on this planet after you're a professional athlete, the only grudge you hold is against yourself. Uh, when you think about I think I was at Dodger Stadium two days ago, and they were celebrating the 1988 team. And uh, and as I was talking to Jaime Harin, their uh, radio uh, announcer for the last 63 years, he said, you know, Ron, it's the uh, – it's the uh, uh, 60. Uh, it's the anniversary of the 1988 Dodgers. I said, Jaime, I only lasted an inning in the seventh game, so it's not a celebration for me. So I kind of hold a grudge against myself, you know. <laughs> so it was pretty funny. I couldn't help but watch the documentary on you know your Mets back in the uh, the yeah. mid 80s. What'd you, and, what'd you think? Well, I I loved it, but but I was there uh, around that. I worked at CNN in New York, so I I was around you guys, you goofballs. Um, but I but I started to wonder. We've had these one and done teams that were so good, but they only won once. What would, yeah. if you were going to put your finger on why that Mets team only won once? What would it be? Well, I I, I think uh, that's a great point. I think that uh, maybe. Maturity uh, might be one of them, but honestly, uh, that team felt like a, you know, like a Oakland A's team. It felt like a, uh, a it felt like a Cincinnati Reds team. Uh, but we're destined to always live with uh, not a team of destiny, but a team that had an amazing year. Um, but but I think that we could have been uh, a little more mature uh, with uh, how we approached uh, the longevity of what we were trying to do. How about that? Finish this sentence. If Dwight Gooden had stayed clean. I would have uh, been able to go to Cooperstown and listen to him give a great speech. Yeah. You know, Ronnie, I went, I paid to go see a game. And I think it was like May, it was in May. um, And it was Dennis Martinez and the Expos at Shea against Doc. And I, I paid for seats behind home plate because I wanted to watch. I wanted to, this is 84 maybe. I wanted to watch, I wanted to hear that fastball and I wanted to watch that curveball. Like, yeah. Like I was that fascinated. And I could have gotten probably, you know, press credentials. I wanted to sit behind home plate and uh, I, oh my God. El Presidente was awesome. I mean, I loved Dan, yeah. Dennis Martinez, but Doc Gooden was just, that was different. That was, that was, that was different. You know, um, El Presidente, once I got traded to the Expos, I was only there for about a week or so before I moved on to the A's. He threw a perfect game in Los Angeles while I was there. So I got to see in the uniform a perfect game. And, boy, what a pitcher uh, with capital P-I-T-C-H-E-R he was. But as far as Doc was concerned, you know, I lived in the city uh, for my entire career with the Mets, and he was the only athlete uh, that I had ever played with, heard about, went to see that the whole city would be buzzing if he pitched on a Friday night. I mean, the entire city. You would go to lunch, people would ask you about him. You would walk down the street, tell Doc hello. Um, it was that <laughs> kind of phenomenon. And I think we have, I don't know, like a, as a society, we love when teenagers can beat old men. It's one of the coolest things, I think, and that's what Doc had working. But did you think, if you were banking on Hall of Fame, you saw Strawberry and you saw Gooden? Who would you have bet on if they were if they were stocks? Which one would you have bought? 
I, I would have bought both because I, I thought if you asked me then, I would have said it. Um, I wouldn't have said it then, but I say it now. Um, they were Bonds and Clemens, and that's the kind of career arc they were on. Yeah. And ironically, uh, Bonds and Clemens aren't in the Hall of Fame either. So, but that's the that's the kind of career that those two were supposed to have. You know, six hundred home runs, three hundred wins. Um, 4,000 strikeouts, uh, 2,000 RBIs. That that's where they were going, and uh, you know, uh, it's a, it's a it's a shame, but also um, I love those two guys, so um, I'm happy that they're in a, a good place right now. I'm happy they're still alive, Ron. Yeah, I mean that's yeah. really I mean, what it comes always... down to. It, you know, they're alive. Yeah. Doc's alive. I mean that. Doc's Doc's alive. Daryl is thriving. Um, you know, as a, as a preacher and, and, and trying to talk to people about some of the mistakes he's made. You know, they're, they're trying really hard to do great with their lives. Uh, what, what better uh, thing than that, you know? Great to talk to you. Have fun tonight, and uh, thanks for joining us as always, Ron. Uh, thank you, Dan. Appreciate it. Bye. That's Ronnie Darling. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. 